In today's episode of Sports Talk from the Crib, we're going to talk a little World Series and some news out of Cleveland and Dallas. Players are speaking out. Ryan Fitzpatrick is now heartbroken, and A.B. may be making a return to the NFL sooner than we think. All that and more coming up on Sports Talk from the Crib. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Sports Talk from the Crib. I'm your host, Tanner Christian. The first topic of the day we're going to get into is the World Series. Game 2 was last night. The Rays come out with a victory, evening up the series there at 1-1 with a big 6-4 win. Blake Snell was on the mound for the Rays. He pitched four and two-thirds of an inning, two and runs, nine Ks. And Brandon Lowe finally got out of that hitting slump he was in. He had two home runs, a solo shot in the first. And also a two-run homer there in the fifth as the Rays jumped out to a quick 5-0 lead. And here's something about the Rays. They now have 28 home runs this postseason. That's an MLB record. Whoever thought the Rays would be dominating and hitting the long ball as much and often as they are. Now, they survived that late. They're pushed there by the Dodgers' bats, you know. Taylor hit a two-run homer there in the fifth. Smith a solo shot in the sixth. And Seager added another homer there in the eighth. But was not not enough as they get beaten by the Rays there by a final score of 6-4. Now the series is even. 1-1. As Clayton Kershaw, he took game one for him. He had a solid outing out there. Six innings. You know, he just had a one run. Struck struck them all out (laughs) there with eight Ks. And... Clint Kershaw pitched very well in game one. They went with a different approach there in game two. They went, I mean, they had different pitchers out there to start the first four innings. That was the first time we've seen that in the playoffs in a very, very, very long time. So they went with a different strategy, multiple pitchers there to start the game with. And fortunately, they just didn't recover, <laughs> especially when they got out to that big 5-0 lead. But the thing in the series going forward, This is going to be the biggest thing. Can the Rays' bullpen survive those Dodgers' bats for a full seven-game series? And that's going to be the difference because Mookie Betts is out there. He's going to come back. You know he is not going to have a game like he had last night. He's going to get some runs in. He may hit some out of the park. Of course, his defensive awareness is like one of the best there is. So Mookie Betts and Clayton Kershaw, another fun fact about him. They make more than the entire Tampa Bay roster. This, those two players together this year make more than the entire Tampa Bay roster, which comes out to only $28 million on their payroll. <laughs> so the entire Tampa Bay roster makes $28 million, and Mookie Best is going to be making that per year and along there with Clayton Kershaw there when, once their uh, contract gets you know, uh, going through. <laughs> that is amazing to see. Not always spending money can get you the wins, but we're going to find out this World Series if it paid off. That big acquisition there, Mookie Betts, is going to play off, pay off for the Dodgers. And if Clayton Kershaw can get another solid outing from him, oh my goodness, that's every Dodgers dream. 
That is every fans of the Dodgers, and they're in L.A. That is their dream. Clayton Kershaw needs to have another solid outing. Wherever he put him out there for game four, he probably most likely pitch game five, I imagine. So we're going to see what happens there. And the Rays bullpen, can they survive the Dodgers bats going forward? I picked the Rays in the series. I think it's going to go seven. I picked the Rays to win the series. But the thing is, they I don't know if they can survive the Dodgers bats during this whole series. Maybe it would get away with it here and there. No, like I said, I think it's going seven. But in the end, it could be the Dodgers that really pulled out. Another L.A. team. It's going to be Tampa or L.A. It seems like that's what it is this year. Because in hockey, the Lightning won the world, um, the Stanley Cup. The Lakers won the championship there for basketball. Can the Dodgers bring home a World Series for the first time since the 80s? We'll see what happens. I think it's a good possibility, even though I did pick the Rays. But the thing is, the Rays bullpen has to come up clutch. And they, Dodgers, they need another great, Start by Clayton Kershaw. And that, to me, will decide the series. Okay, now let's switch over to some football because we got some yappers out there. A lot of guys want to come out and start talking now because the media has been destroying these two franchises this week. I'm talking about the Cleveland Browns and the Dallas Cowboys. We're going to talk about the Cleveland Browns because now OBJ has spoke out. OBJ has spoke out. You know, they lost this past Sunday. To the Steelers by a final of 38-7. They got blown out. Odell was taken off the field there. About eight minutes left in the fourth. As reportedly, you know, he slammed his helmet. Punched the cooler. Took off his cleats. You know, acting like a little child over there like he usually does. But he was pissed about getting taken out of the game, obviously. He basically came out and said, I want to take my whooping like a man. I want to be out there where we're winning or losing. If we're getting blown out, I still want to finish the game. I want to take my whooping like a man. That's basically what he was saying. And OBJ, you know, when he first got there, it looked like, you know, it was a giant just saying, hey, we want to, we want, we want your career to just die out there in Cleveland. <laughs> and it kind of has, especially this year. You know, it's just something else always happening there in Cleveland. And he just... Hey, man, he's tired of losing to great teams. That was the other thing he said. He's like, I'm tired of losing to all these good teams out here. It's frustrating. And obviously, you lost to the Steelers and the Ravens. You're still 4-2. So as much flack as this that we're giving Cleveland Browns right now about him, Baker Mayfield, struggling again, not being the answer there in Cleveland, OBJ and Jarvis Landry, they got to get out there before they ruin their careers. Because OBJ is very talented. We know he's a great wide receiver. We know he's a great wide receiver. And his talents, this is not going to shine there in Cleveland with Baker Mayfield being his quarterback. That is the truth. So OBJ, for his career to even get back on the right foot, he's going to have to get the heck out of Cleveland, for one. But, you know... When you lose to the Steelers and Ravens, you can't even own your own division. You, those are the bad boys in your division. They have been for years. The staple on those teams have been defense, hitting you in the mouth, getting physical, and just uh, owning the division. We all know it's going to be you know, Lamar Jackson there, MVP last year. You know, Roll the division. 
Pittsburgh Steelers. Big Ben came back this year. They're undefeated right now. You know, the Browns felt good about themselves jumping out there quick, you know, winning four straight games, and then they laid an egg against their division rival. That was your chance to come out and be like, yeah, we're taking over the division. It's our year finally. And they just can't ever do it because Baker Mayfield struggles. Struggles during the season against winning teams. That is his biggest problem. He struggles so much against winning teams, and especially in the division. And OBJ, you can pout, you can cry all you want. You got to shut up and go out there and perform. Get on the page with your quarterback, your head coach there, Kevin Stefanski. Like, get the man a ball. I would just force feed him in the beginning of the game. Get him going in the beginning of the game. That is, I don't understand why Cleveland Browns just never do that. Get this man going in the beginning of the game, and you won't have this problem. But to kind of make matters worse there with OBJ, he just now got banned from LSU. <laughs> you know, when he was out there handing money there to all the players at the national championship game, now he's been banned there for the next two years. So now he's really upset. And I love how that kind of comes out the day after. <laughs> His little rant here comes out the day after that happens. So we know he's pissed. Now he's banned from his college that he went to. And he basically can't get the damn ball from his quarterback. So he's kind of banned from the game. I mean, <laughs> I can kind of feel his pain a little bit. It's kind of funny. But, man, I kind of feel bad for him a little bit. I really do. I feel a little bit bad for him. And now Baker Mayfield has come out and said some things as well. Because ESPN and everybody's been attacking him, saying he's not a great quarterback, saying he was never worthy of the number one overall pick, and his play sucks, and this, and they want to have him on a franchise-leading team, and now he came out and just said, I don't give a damn what any of y'all have to say. But the problem is, Baker, you have to go out there and perform. you got to shut the critics up with your play. You can come out here and say all the right things, say you don't care, Say it doesn't bother you. But when you go up there and put another stinker out with like going, I don't know, 12 of 26 for 180 yards and a couple picks, they're going to come back down on you. You're always going to have critics if you do not perform up to your ability that we know you can perform as. I'm not high on you. I'm not big on Baker Mayfield. I think he's just an average quarterback. I think he can be serviceable. Get more play action. You have to do the ground and pound. Do more rollouts. You know, get OBJ and Jarvis Landry involved. You have two great receivers. Try to get OBJ involved early in the game. Establish that run game. Take the game a little bit slower. And slow it down for you. And be able to do it that way. Because you can't have all these three and outs. You can't struggle on third down. You got to put the ball in the end zone. Shut up your critics. Go out there and play. And then prove to everyone that you're worthy of that number one pick. Because this is your year to prove it. You haven't had that fifth year option picked up. They got to do it by next year. Are you going? You want the team to pick up your fifth year option? They might cut bait with you. This is your prove it year. You have to perform well this year. Now let's jump over to the Cowboys. Now the big difference between the Cowboys and Browns, they're getting the same amount of flack. The Cowboys are 2-4. and four. Browns are 4-2. and two. So Cowboys actually have a losing record. 
And now we got players anonymously there in the locker room coming out and saying that the coaches pretty much suck. They have no idea what they're doing. Their game plans don't make any sense. They're not trying to improve and make adjustments. So now we got people chirping. They're in Dallas. Zeke Elliott came out there on the news conference and said, hey, everybody needs to look in the mirror and do it and figure out what can you do to fix the problem and win games. Mike McCarthy said he doesn't know anything about it. They want everything to stay in the house and will like everything to stay in the house. Hey, open the door up. Come talk to me if you feel this way type of thing, which I can understand. But now the chirping starts and you're probably going to have more and more come out here in the next you know, few weeks and when the games just start getting played and they keep losing, the chirping is going to get a little bit louder. Because what is going on in Dallas? So much talent. Can't put it together. Coaches don't know what they're doing. Hey, I mean, Mike Nolan, I don't blame him if it was somebody on that defense. Mike Nolan's using everybody in the wrong damn spot and everything and trying to put together his scheme from 10 years ago into the Dallas Cowboys here virtually and thinking it's going to work. That's one. If I was a defensive player, hey, that needs to get fixed. It probably is doesn't know what he's doing. Offenses have come and evolved so much since he was even a head coach and let alone a defensive coordinator. I mean, he hasn't been good in 10 years. And they all said the same thing about Mike McCarthy, saying he had an old offense there with Aaron Rodgers those last couple years. He had an old offense, nothing evolved, it didn't work anymore in today's NFL. He needed to adjust, needed to transition and come back to the evolving nature of the NFL. And so far, that hasn't really happened. Because Dak Prescott hit every single bit of that when he was out there playing quarterback. Now you don't have him no more. He's out for the year with that horrific injury. You got Andy Dalton in there as your quarterback. He's not as mobile. He can't cover it up as much, hide and hide all that nonsense that was out there on the field. Coming back from 20 down with Dak is a whole different story than coming back from 20 down with Andy Dalton. So now you got all these players, probably more going to come out and see if they can, you know, keep that circus from getting out. It's going to be a big circus there in Big D if they don't get this thing switched, situated and figure it out. Zeke has to start with him. He got a $90 million contract to be a running back. He has done nothing with it. Fumbling the ball every time he touches it practically right now. He's got to be the leader of it all since Dak is out. But the problem is, I just don't trust any of those Dallas Cowboys, especially with that coaching staff now. I don't trust him with Mike McCarthy and Mike Nolan. I don't trust it. I'm actually more into the Philadelphia Eagles winning the division. They're 1-4-1 right now. I will go with the Philadelphia Eagles right now and their injury-depleted team for the division over the Dallas Cowboys. That's how bad it is. Like, that is how bad it is. So we have friction, you know, going up there in Cleveland and Dallas. So now we head down to Miami where there's no friction. It was just this, you know, disappointment, I guess you could say. And a heartfelt message there by Ryan Fitzpatrick. As we know, a few days ago, Tua was named the Miami Dolphins starting quarterback coming off the bye for the November 1st tilt there against the Los Angeles Rams. 
And Ryan Fitzpatrick said he was heartbroken because he's basically said, hey, I was fired. And then he went on to say, hey, we got to sit in Zoom meetings and I had to sit in the same room with the guy who took my job for four hours. And I just felt heartbroken. Getting the news and everything because, hey, this guy has had a lot of fun in his NFL career, especially the last like you know year and a half so far here in Miami. And I kind of feel bad for him. I kind of feel for him a little bit because he's played some of the best football of his career. He's been in a journeyman. He's bounced around a lot. But right now in the NFL, he's fifth in completion percentage at 70%. Seventh in QBR at 79.6. He has 10 touchdowns and seven picks on the year. So he's not having a bad year. The team is three and three. And they had they were there at the end of the Bills game and the Seahawks game where some couple possessions could have really turned the outcome differently in those games. So the Miami Dolphins actually played pretty well. Despite everything that's happened. Now with the offensive line retooling. A lot of young guys. A lot of rookies. Same way on the defensive side of the ball. They were the biggest spenders in the free agency this offseason. Miami Dolphins are surprising to people. They're only a game back of 4-2 Buffalo. They're ahead of game of the Patriots. I think they see this as an opportunity to elevate the game. And the offensive side of the ball even more. Because we all know Ryan Fitzpatrick, he will give you those very solid games there, but then he's going to give you those mediocre type games as well. And that's the way he's just been his whole career. Nobody's really looked at Ryan Fitzpatrick as the guy that take your team over the hump. He knew he was the bridge guy. He knew the time was coming. He just didn't expect it so soon. Neither did I. But I think this is the plan all along there in Miami with head coach Brian Flores. Because there's no offseason, no real training camp. So you wanted two of this, get in this, get in that football shape, learn the playbook, be comfortable out there again. He got in for the final drive there against the Jets to kind of get his feet wet, I guess, there a little bit. Completed a couple passes. And they're saying, hey, he looks good in practice. He looked good out there, right? You know, those last, during the final drive, despite it being garbage time, we think it's time. We think it's ready. This is the direction of the franchise we have to go. I don't think there was any big-time pressure on them to play him because of Justin Herbert's playing very well for the Chargers. You see Joe Burrow out there. He's struggling a little bit in Cincinnati, but the whole team there really isn't that great. I think they see this as, hey, we're at 500. We're playing well on both sides of the ball. The offensive line has come along really strong. If Tua can just be out there for a little bit, and, you know, take that offense to a next level type thing. Miami Dolphins could make a run in this division. It depends. Is he? He's got to be fully, you know, recovered from an injury on the hip. Or else they wouldn't be doing this. But I think it's the right move. I really do think it's the right move for this franchise going forward. You're going to have a very serviceable backup there on Fiancer's Patrick in case anything happens. Gets nicked up, you know, whatever. I really hope he stays injury free. Like, I really hope the best for this kid. Come out there. He was rated the highest guy if he didn't have the injury. He was going to be the number one overall pick in the draft. Ahead of Joe Burrow. Ahead of Justin Herbert. Ahead of everybody. So that injury really caused his stock to drop. Miami took a chance. The whole tank for two worked out for him there at the fifth pick. 
And now it's time. It is two a time in Miami. But I do feel you, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Hey, man. It, this That's probably the most heartfelt little message, man. I can feel your pain. Team wants the young guy to come in, take your job, and kind of just pushes you to the side like it's okay. I can feel it. It's not just a football thing. It happens across, you know, companies across the world. You know, you, your job, that's a normal job. This happens. So I can feel your pain. And, hey, man, head up. We know you're good for it. We know you're a good mentor there for Tua. Be there for Tua. But it's now. Tua time in Miami. And now we have some big news coming out of the NFL. Antonio Brown may be making a return to the NFL sooner than we think. They're reporting he's eligible to return after week eight because he was suspended by the league. And that's when the suspension is up. And the Seattle Seahawks have merged as a top contender to bring in Antonio Brown to the team. We know he worked out there in the offseason with Russell Wilson catching some passes for him and working out. But... Antonio Brown is eligible to come back to the NFL after week eight. In the Seattle Seahawks, there's some other teams reportedly to be interested. We don't know exactly who those teams are. Some say maybe the Baltimore Ravens, but it looks like Des Bryant is actually trying to get on that team again, and they may bring him in for another workout. So that looks like the direction for them, because he did work with Lamar Jackson there as well, Antonio Brown. But he may make in a return. Now, he's been quiet. I haven't heard much about A.B. this year with everything going on. So he's been quiet now. Hasn't been in the spotlight for a while. We all know Pete Carroll loves giving second, third, fourth, fifth chances to everybody. As long as they can do something on the football field. Heck, they still got Josh Gordon technically on the team right now. He's just still suspended and hasn't been reinstated by the NFL yet. So they even still got Josh Gordon on the team. But this wide receiver crew for the Seattle Seahawks is top-notch this year. Russell Wilson in the MVP discussion. You know, they're undefeated. DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, David Moore. If they add Antonio Brown, they got Greg Olson there at tight end as well. If they add Antonio Brown to that wide receiver group, oh my goodness. It'll be just like how they kind of want to do it anyway, because I really do think they just want to get away from that running game. For some reason, Seattle has spread that spread out, you know, spreading them out lately these last few years. Ever since Marshawn Lynch was left, you know, Chris Carson's done his thing there as well. Some other backs, but this—if they add Antonio Brown, look out. What do you guys think? Would it be a better prolific offense than the Kansas City Chiefs? Let's say they brought in Le'Veon Bell. They got the rookie running back. They got Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, you know, Miko Hardman, Sammy Watkins coming back. And you can't forget number 15 there, Pat Mahomes. But I really think if Antonio Brown, I imagine he's in shape. I imagine the guy was always in shape, practiced real hard, and did everything. If you could just keep the off the field stuff to the side, stay away from the spotlight all the time and away from the cameras, this could really work. And I really believe, I think the Seattle Seahawks will have one of the most, if not number one, prolific offense in the entire league over the Kansas City Chiefs. 
And that's if he's even 80, 85% of, his, of himself. That's if Antonio Brown is at 80, 85%. If he's at 100%, this is like the Pittsburgh days. Not even counting last year, but with the whole thing with him in New England and whatnot. If he is even close to like 80, 85% of the AB from Pittsburgh. Oh, yes. I'm picking Seattle as the highest and most prolific offense in the league. I'm doing that over Kansas City Chiefs, even with the addition of Le'Veon Bell. Because Russell Wilson, and then I just, man, it's kind of hard to really pick. You got Russell Wilson versus Pat Mahomes. You kind of got Tyreek and AB, DK. I'm picking Seattle. DK Metcalf is a beast. And Tyler Lockett is completely underrated. David Moore is a little bit underrated too there. But Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf are a great duo wide receiver group in itself. And he starts showing those guys some love. DK Metcalf still can't believe he fell to the second round in two Seattle's laps. With all those other wide receivers that were taken before him. And Tyler Lockett has been incredible his whole career there in Seattle. This, those two are incredible. Adding AB to the lineup? My goodness, you're not going to be able to guard any of them. It won't happen. DK Metcalf is too strong and fast. He stresses the field. AB does too. Tyler Lockett's going to be running wild underneath. You got Greg Olson too? Like, hey, I'm going Seattle all day, every day, if they get AB. And if they get AB on the team, yes, their defense is horrible. They need secondary help so bad. You would like a big signing to be a cornerback or a safety or somebody to help out the backside of that defense. But man, if they get AB, they can put up 35, 40 points a game plus and maybe offset some of that deficiencies. That's what I think. I'm going with Seattle as Super Bowl favorites. Not, I mean, that is right now they are Super Bowl favorites. But this may make them reach the Super Bowl in de- like definitely and pick them to win it. <laughs> That's what I would do with this Seattle Seahawks team. This team, if there were any questions about them possibly making it, yeah, you say the defense isn't that great, the secondary is not great. But if you had A-B, you can outscore anybody. You'll be able to outscore anybody you face. And I think that's all you're going to need to go to the Super Bowl. <laughs> Especially if they get home field advantage. Because I expect the fans to be like just near full capacity by playoff time. If fans are allowed and, you know, gradually keep coming in, their percentages keep going up, and you have to face at Seattle, the defense plays way better there. If you have to face a 12th man, definitely. Oh, yeah, I'm definitely picking Seattle. And that's going to do it for today's episode. I want to thank you all for joining me here on Sports Talk from the Crib with your favorite sports host, Tanner Christian. Remember to check out the official website there at feeltheheatentertainment.com. That is feeltheheatent.com for his latest news updates regarding the show. As well, as you can like, comment on all the articles. We'll post them up there for you with the questions and what you guys think about the topics of today's show. Also, be sure to check out the Instagram there at feeltheheat.com entertainment as well thank you all for joining me remember monday through fridays available on all streaming platforms catch y'all tomorrow